2: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark,
3: featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
4: Good morning. It's 830. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... Two protests conclude peacefully in Tupelo. One of them prompted by a police-involved deadly shooting in June. We'll take a look. Then, voter ID laws across the country are coming under scrutiny in federal courts. We'll talk live in the studio with a legal expert on Mississippi's law. Later, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on data, and the busiest part of hurricane season is approaching. Are you and your family prepared?
0: August has been historically our most active month uh, for uh, Mississippi.
4: That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some Tupelo residents are trying to bring attention to the shooting death of an unarmed black man, Antoine Ronnie Shumpert, by a police officer in June. The group Our Lives Matter 2 took to the street Saturday. David Jones is one of the event's organizers. He talks with our Paul Bolger about some of his concerns.
1: In Peace March, to bring everybody together let them know that uh, we haven't forgot about Ronnie Shomper and all the issues we're dealing with the police department. We want justice and we want to be treated fairly. The last thing that happened was we had an individual and Ronnie Shomper was killed. He was uh, shot four times and mutilated by a police dog. Uh, he wasn't the first and he wasn't, well, he was the last one. He pretty much, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so now, it's been going on too long and been swept under the rug and we're tired of it. Simply tired of it.
3: Y'all had about, I would say, at least four or five hundred people out here
1: today. Yeah, and um, it's been growing each time. This is my third one, and each and each one has gotten bigger and bigger. But uh, I think we're gonna do bigger things in the next one. Why? Why organize a rally like this? To get awareness. I let people know this is happening because a lot of people didn't know about it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't put on the news or anything. It was just a community thing at first. So when you put it out there in the public and make the city see it, now they have to acknowledge it. Now it has to be fixed because we're in front of City Hall and we're blocking off streets, where the police are blocking off streets. You know, We have to get their attention. Now we have their attention. Now they're speeding up the process.
3: So what has been the response from the police as of late?
1: Uh, they've stopped the roadblocks, pretty much. Uh, there's not as much harassment. They don't really... Uh, now they actually, they're actually community policing now. They're going to the neighborhoods, playing with the kids, get to know the areas that they're dealing with instead of just riding by and arresting people like they've been doing.
3: Groups like this, Black Lives Matter, I know this isn't necessarily Black Lives yeah. Matter, but you know, similar rallies, similar marches have, have drawn a lot of criticism from people. Yeah.
1: What are your thoughts? I don't really like the terms like Black Lives Matter, or All Lives Matter. When you say Black Lives Matter, you're talking black, you say all lives that's attached to white. I say our lives, like all you are because everybody's involved in it. Uh, I found a study um, from 2015, they had 484 Caucasians were killed by police officers, and only 213 were black. And so a lot of people think, like, oh, it's just us, no, it's everybody. And that's what I'm trying to bring everybody's attention to, to realize that this is not a, just a black issue, it's everybody. So what do you hope to accomplish through all of this? I want people to come together and realize we can actually change stuff if we all start working together, so these different little side groups and stuff like that. I want to bring the city together as one and actually make this all-American city.
4: Tupelo's mayor has called for calm and has said the issue will be thoroughly investigated. Multiple voter ID laws across the country are coming under scrutiny in federal courts. Could the recent rulings have any effect here in Mississippi? We'll talk about that next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email You've got mail. to PSA at mpbonline.org. Hi dr michelle owens host of southern remedy for women here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy yes it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new mpb car tag it's the latest way you can support mississippi public broadcasting continue the mission of educating informing and entertaining mississippians this epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today
4: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Two voter ID laws have come under scrutiny from federal courts recently. In Texas and in North Carolina, federal judges have called into question how such laws impact minority voting. Both decisions were released last month. In North Carolina, the sweeping 83-page decision by a panel of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit was openly critical of that state's law. The court said in part, quote, We cannot ignore the record evidence that because of race, the legislature enacted one of the largest restrictions of the franchise in modern North Carolina history, unquote. Here to discuss these decisions and what possible impact they may have on Mississippi's voter ID laws is Matt Steffi, professor of law at the Mississippi College School of Law. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's
3: my pleasure, Desiree.
4: Tell us when federal courts call into question and, in some instances, instances openly criticize laws like these. What are they looking at specifically?
3: Well, they're looking at two things. And voter ID restrictions or uh, and other voting restrictions have have been on a losing streak. It's been North Carolina and Texas. And recently, a lower federal judge in Wisconsin came to the same conclusion. And they're looking at two things under a a federal law called the Voting Rights Act. They're looking uh, for evidence of discriminatory intent that is the actual purpose of restricting voting on account of race, or they're looking for discriminatory impact. And uh, depending on which case you're talking about, the courts have found one or the other, or both of these things present in recent voting reforms.
4: And so that's what happened in both Texas and North Carolina.
3: That's right. And North Carolina focused on the discriminatory purpose. And once there's a finding of discriminatory purpose, the entire statute is suspect. The Fifth Circuit, uh, the, the whole court, what they call en banc, that is, every single one of the nearly 20 judges voting together, Uh, concluded that it clearly had a discriminatory effect and may very well have a discriminatory purpose and sent it down to the lower courts to sort out the remedy. So what they're saying is that these laws suppress the vote by African Americans, either as a matter of fact or on purpose.
4: Is it just African Americans or other minorities as well? It could
3: be other minorities as well. What they found in North Carolina was almost surgical precision, according to the court, in suppressing ways that Af- that have made it easier for African-Americans in particular to vote.
4: What were they doing that made it more difficult? Well, for example, uh,
3: the voter ID is one thing uh, that, that African-Americans, uh, particularly elderly folks, are less likely to have the required forms of ID. But North Carolina canceled early voting, which was used overwhelmingly by African-Americans who lacked transportation. Uh, there have been uh, restrictions on registration and more same day of election uh, voter registration and so on really uh, north carolina commissioned a study to find out who was voting and when and then eliminated the ways that african americans had used predominantly african americans uh, to vote either early or to register on the day of election or to vote without the proper ID.
4: And so that was a red flag.
3: Oh, it's there were red flags popping up all over the place. And, and both North Carolina and the Fifth Circuit noted, you know, we're not operating in a vacuum. This supposed purpose to uh, avoid voter fraud is exactly the same purpose that states offered for poll taxes for literacy requirements, and for other Jim Crow era efforts to prevent African Americans from exercising the franchise.
4: Is there enough voter fraud to warrant these types of laws?
3: There's not enough voter fraud to warrant any government action. At least there's no evidence of it. That The idea that there's a mass of people showing up in person, impersonating others to vote on Election Day is just not there in the evidence. Uh, there, there may be some more questions with regard to absentee balloting, um, and the like, but there's very, very little evidence of voter fraud. And if you can get a politician, to be honest, a a, a, a tall order in some cases, particularly outside our fine state, the, the, the Republicans in North Carolina said, you know, to be clear, we're trying to, to suppress the votes of Democrats, not African Americans, in particular, if Afri- if more African Americans happen to be Democrats, so be it. But there there is a suppressive intent, without any doubt. And, and they it, readily admitted it. They, they admitted it. it. It's difficult to understand this, given and this is one of the things the North Carolina case talked about. Given the enormous issues facing North Carolina and Texas, the Texas Legislature meets every other year. They have a tremendous budget shortfall, education problems. But what they decided was priority number one was uh, voter uh, w- was voter ID and other election reform. And part of this became possible out of a case a couple of years ago that eliminated the preclearance requirement that, that many Southern states had to follow. That is, the Voting Rights Act used to require states that formerly discriminated the the, the normal suspects in the old Confederacy to have the Department of Justice do what's known as pre-clear, that is, review and approve uh, any changes to their voting laws, and that was that that kind of was a roadblock at these kind of efforts. Once this that roadblock was removed, we saw a proliferation of these uh, th- these
4: legislative priorities. Do you see that coming back as a result of this?
3: Well, I it, there, this is certainly a. A stop sign, if not a I, I'm not. It, it's it's too early to say it's a death now, because we're one Supreme Court justice away from a, a potential uh, change of course from the U.S. Supreme Court. And, and right now, the the Supreme Court could, took up one of these cases. They'd either be affirmed by a majority or by a four-four split. So this is the law for now, for the future, who knows. How does this measure up to the law in Mississippi? Well, this makes Mississippi very vulnerable to challenge because we have a strict form of voter ID, just like Texas, North Carolina, uh, and and even stricter in some ways than Wisconsin. So the strictness of it makes it vulnerable. We're in the same federal circuit as Texas. There are some differences. We had a constitutional amendment uh, that may play into how the litigation would shape out. But it is. There's there's not enough time between now and November to mount a successful federal challenge against Mississippi's voter ID laws, but it makes them very vulnerable. Okay,
4: well, Matt Steffi, thank you so much, professor of law at the Mississippi College of Law School of Law. That is. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us. It's always my pleasure. Up next, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on data. This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fresh Air, we talk with writer Jay McInerney. He became famous in the 80s for his semi-autobiographical novel, Bright Lights, Big City. His new novel, Bright, Freshest Days, is about middle age, marriage, and fidelity. It's also about writing. One of the main characters is an editor and publisher. Join us.
2: Today at 3 on MPV Think Radio.
5: The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today.
2: Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sherita in Studio with Ashley Jeffcoat, Digital Media Director for MPB. Today we're going to be talking about data. Ashley, that's a word that's tossed around a lot. Some people may have an idea of how complex data is and some may not. So we're just going to give a general idea about what data is. So what is data?
5: The word data is a word that has like many different meanings. An important thing to keep in mind is that you could be talking about the actual quantities of information that's stored by a computer. So this could be like pictures take up so much data. Mm -hmm. They have a size, they might be three megabytes, and that's how much data they take up. And data can also be a statistical term that means all the different numbers and things that you gather, the information that you've gathered for a statistical purpose. Or it could be, and this is the one that we're going to talk about, is the definition of data being the amount of space and amount of stuff that you're allowed to download. Okay. And that you're given as, like a, as part of your plan, whether it's through your internet service provider or through your cell provider. So most people have data plans. How do you know how big of a data plan you need? That's a hard one, because it can be really difficult to determine. The first thing that you need to do is do your own research, take some time to look at your own data usage. Which, unfortunately, this means you probably already have a data plan, but most of us probably have one now. If you have a smartphone, you probably have a data plan. In most cases, won't allow you to have a smartphone without a data plan. Because it's not
2: smart without data? Pretty Mm. much. Okay.
5: (laughs) Uh, Data is so essential to the way those phones work that you don't, it doesn't really work right without data. So you pretty much have a data plan if you've got a smartphone. So if you already have a data plan, one of the things that you can do, and this is going to vary from carrier to carrier, provider to provider, on your bill or in an app, or sometimes there's even a number you can text and it'll let you know how much data you've used. This is a good way to get an idea on how much data you need because you can look and see how much you're using. Yeah. So the more you, you rely on data for things like streaming, um, like Spotify or YouTube or Netflix or anything like that, the more data you're going to need and the bigger data plan you're going to need. If you have shared plan so you've got like lots of like your kids are on it and your parents are on and everybody's using the same plan you're going to want more data because you're sharing across all these different people and that's all going to use up data but if you're the kind of person who maybe you don't leave the house very often and you're always connected to wi-fi you probably don't need as much data because wi-fi doesn't count against your data plan so you don't need as much then but it depends entirely on what you're using and how much of it you're using already because if you take a look at what you're using right now, you may be like, oh, well, I don't actually use very much data at all, even though I spend a lot of time streaming. That's probably because you're usually connected to Internet instead of using data. Mm-hmm. But if you take a look at it and you're like, I don't spend any time streaming, but I'm using a ton of data, might not be realizing some of the stuff that you do that does take up a lot of data. Facebook, big data hog. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah.
2: Well that explains why I get that text message every
5: week saying that my data plan is uh-huh. almost up. <laughs> if you if you watch a video on Facebook you are using a lot of data. <laughs> wow. Facebook autoplay stuff too, so it loads a ton of stuff in the background.
2: Now, is there a way to get around that things autoplaying? For instance, if you go to a website and there are videos playing that you may not even know until you hear it, is there a way to turn off those things that run without your permission or consent?
5: Sometimes you can, and the way you can do that is through the settings on your phone and through your browser. And this is a really good thing that you can do with an Android phone. You have a lot more options and a lot more browser options to go in and tell it to disable that kind of stuff like autoplaying videos and um, stuff like that so that it's not as much of a problem. You don't have as many options for that kind of stuff on an iPhone. So um, Android users, rejoice. You have a lot more options for you there. Rejoicing. Yeah. You can
2: send us an email about this topic before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Ashley Jeffcoat, I'm Sherita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for joining us. Fifty years ago, a sniper went to the top of the clock tower at the University of Texas and opened fire on the people below.
1: She was obviously wounded. The people around her looked dead. And the tower kept chiming every 15 minutes. And I would think, 15 more minutes they've been out there. 15 more minutes.
2: Survivors remember August 1st, 1966, later, on All Things Considered from NPR News.
1: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio.
4: On MPV Think Radio, I'm Desiree Frazier. With the height of hurricane season nearing, emergency and weather officials are urging residents to get prepared. August and September are typically the busiest months for tropical weather. Mississippi Emergency Management Agency Director Lee Smithson tells Evelina Burnett Mississippi Gulf Coast residents should review their hurricane plans and refresh supplies and evacuation kits.
0: Well, um, August has been historically our most active month uh, for uh, Mississippi for hurricanes, but uh, going back to 1950, we've had 67 hurricanes form in the month of August and 109 in September. So we're really going into the, uh, entering into the peak of hurricane season, and of course, as as timing would have it, we've got two systems uh, that began building up off of the uh, uh, off of the coast of Africa uh, last week. So those uh, both of those systems, while you know, there's no telling what what they'll develop into, you know, just serve as a a good warning that now is the time. Uh, for everyone to start looking at their hurricane plan and thinking about uh, what you're going to do uh, if a hurricane comes in. Of course, for the folks on the coast, as I've said so many times before, uh, we want everyone to evacuate from the coast. Don't try to ride a storm out. Um, so if they're going to evacuate, you know, know where you're going to go, have a great plan, uh, have a plan for your pets, Make sure that you take your important documents with you, your insurance, your mortgage, social security cards, birth certificates, those type of things. Uh, Make sure you have cash because in the event of a hurricane, the electricity could be out and you you might not be able to get to an ATM. Uh, but also, uh, again, as we learned during Hurricane Katrina, hurricanes don 't impact just the coast of Mississippi. So, for those who live inland, uh, they also need to make a plan too if they 're going to stay home, just be prepared to be without power uh, for up to a week. So make sure you 've got plenty of drinking water that 's a gallon per person per day, lots of non perishable food, uh, a power support uh, supply uh, to keep your your phones charged up, um, and then take everything seriously because Uh, again, even a small storm like we saw with Hurricane Isaac back in 2012 um, created more flooding than some areas got during Hurricane Katrina. So just now's the time to start looking at your plans uh, and thinking about what you're going to do to take care of yourself, your family, and your pets.
5: I talked to the weather service, too, so I kind of have the forecast side. So um, unless there's something else that I haven't.
4: MPB's Evelina Burnett with Mississippi Emergency Management Agency Director Lee Smithson on hurricane preparedness as we enter the busiest part of the hurricane season. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining, then at 10, now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey, and at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you miss part of the show, there are several ways you can listen on our website. That's mpbonline.org, through the MPB Multimedia app, or search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
3: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com. Member
5: FDIC. Coming
2: up this morning at 10 on Now You're Talking, Marshall Ramsey will speak with news anchor and fellow children's book author Katina Rankin. Plus, singer songwriter Lisa Mills will join us to talk about the inspiration for her latest project, Mama's Juke Book. Be sure to join us this morning at 10 for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey right here on MPB Think Radio.
5: It's Marketplace Tech for Monday, August 1st. I'm Adrienne Hill in for Ben Johnson. It's been a relatively quiet year for tech IPOs. Last Friday, a company named Talend became one of a handful of tech companies to go public in 2016. We caught up with Talend CEO Mike Tukin on the floor of the NASDAQ midway through the trading day. He said Talend helps mid- and large-sized companies make sense of data. For example, it helps banks figure out if your credit card has been stolen or if it's you who's been buying all those shoes.
2: Behind the scenes, they need to pull together a lot of data. They need to look at patterns and figure out, Is this look like other transactions that have been fraudulent or not?
5: Tugan said the company's going public now, in part, to help build trust with clients.
2: They can look at our quarterly results. They can look at our
1: balance sheet.
5: And they just raised nearly $100 million. That's got to build trust, too.
2: Marketplace Tech is supported by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection for more than vehicles with specialized coverages to protect against financial loss. More at Progressive Commercial.